have Mike McSween on the throne today. L- Malik, let's give let's give Mike a round of applause real quick. Thank you, Mike. We really appreciate you doing this, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Uh, speaking of the throne, I just got off the throne a few minutes ago. <laughs> the so porcelain throne, I'm right? sure that uh, the rest of this show is going to go right down the toilet as well. So <laughs> This is going to be the toilet puns show. Yeah, this is the toilet show. But, um, I mean, uh, actually, if you didn't know, fun fact, the throne is actually a play on drum throne because I'm a drummer. I, I figured as much. <laughs> I, I I figured that that was what that meant, but um, you'd be surprised how many people made toilet puns, though. Well, of course. I mean, it's too know. easy, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, man. Uh, Mike. I mean, I've um, I've had the uh, the honor of of meeting you two years ago when I started. And the honor. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's the pleasure. Not, let's not talk a lot of shit on the show. Just you know, I'm no different than you. And you probably have a lot more talent than I have. Oh, shit. Because I originally started out wanting to be a drummer. Really? Figured out all I could do was keep a beat. I could keep time, but I couldn't do fills. I couldn't do... So I, I just could keep a beat. And I said, man, this uh, as fun as it is, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a drummer. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> just instruments aren't your thing, man. I try to pick up guitar. I could not handle it at all. I could play Smoke on the Water, the intro. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that about my ability. It. I can play a l- little touch of everything on every instrument, but after 30 seconds you go, oh, that's all that guy really knows yeah. how to do. <laughs> yeah, for real, a jack of all trades. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Well, I really can't. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why after I do this, I'm going to put it down. And then put it gonna, down, make it uh, so I don't look hey, like shit. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I put it down before I get to where I botch it. Sounds like Guitar Hero and you're missing notes. But So you don't play like a main instrument? No, no. I don't, uh, I don't play any instruments. Uh which is funny because I feel like I have a good ability to arrange music and put music together. And like even like when we're writing music or somebody will play something, I'll be like, wait, wait, go back, go back to put, play just that part. And then I, I'm able to create. It's almost like I use them as, as a computer, like an acid right. pro or something. But it's live. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, now don't play. Don't go to that note. Play a higher note. Okay, now you see how that's fitting together, and you know it's funny because I've always been able to like produce like that and write like that, but I'm not good enough to uh, sit down like play it, play something. Yeah, like I I can play a couple of notes on a keyboard or guitar, or a bass, or you know, so. Yeah, it's for me. It's the same thing when it came to guitar and trying to learn something different. I tried to pick up a uh, piano at some point. I just learned the basics. Like I know chords on the piano. I know yeah. if you hit those three keys, you know you can get chords all across it. But right. I mean, I could do basic chords together. But so, when it comes to so what really blows me away though is is how good of a musician my son is. Because Mitch? yeah, because like I like when he was really little, I bought him a drum kit, not a toy drum kit, a real junior drum kit oh, and he shit. but he was like maybe four years old and I, and I figured if i just leave it there maybe he'll get interested and start beating on it and he he did for a little bit but then when he's about six he's like i want a guitar and i was like okay no problem i'll get you a guitar you know so most parent parents are like Tried i don't want thing. any instruments at all and i'm like trying to buy him anything he seemed interested in so when he first got the guitar he would lay it on the floor and try to strum it and I tried to show him, look, pick it up and do this. I'm thinking, he's never going to get this, you know. <laughs> so one day I came home from work, and he's like, let me show you something. So he he's picks up his guitar, and he's, he plays. Oh, like, for Elise, I think it is. I'm like, that? you learned that? Yeah, taught myself how to do it. I went on the Internet. I'm like, ah. The internet. The internet. Oh, Something man. I didn't have as a kid. When I tried to learn how to play instruments, you had to find somebody that either knew how to play it or <laughs> learn, figure out how to read tablature. Yeah. Or, you know, so you, you, you know, sit there and learn so actual much, music theory. Right, right. So I showed him, like, stupid little songs, like some ACDC, you know. Oh, like, yeah. Same three like, chords. You know, a whole lot of Rosie or something. And he, so he's like, oh, wow. And that just set 
that he was on from there and he plays he the kid there's nothing he can't play nothing he can't play he he we went to guitar center one time when i wasn't feeling too well i said look i'm not going in with you go do what you want to do i'm gonna sit in the car so he comes out with his hand behind his back and i'm like okay what'd you buy and he pulls out a mandolin and right away he starts playing the song afternoon delight and i'm looking at him first of all i'm going how do you how do you know that song and second of all, how do you know how to play it? Because I said, I know that the tuning is not the same on that as a guitar. He goes, I don't know. I saw it on the wall. I said to the guy, hand me, hand me that. I want to look at it. And he says, the guy handed it to him, and the first thing that came to his mind was that song. So he started playing it, and he said him and the sales guy just started laughing. The guy's like, you know how to play that? Mitchell goes, I never held one in my hand before. And the guy's like, <laughs> and, he's, and he's like that. He's That's just, insane. He's just... You know, just uh, like that. The mandolin is a really cool instrument, actually. Oh, I love it. I um, love. I love. I'm very big on classical music and string instruments, and I I love that. My favorite instrument is the violin. See, I wish I could play something like violin, that. Violin, the cello, just all that kind of stuff. The singer of uh, Unoya, Alex. Um, if you listen to our EP, the second track is like an interlude track. He actually played the cello on that. Yeah, he's a, he plays everything: mandolin, yeah, cello, guitar, great. bass. That's he amazing. sings. I mean, that guy is a savage, bro, just like Mitch. Yeah. And it's crazy, man, because um, I, I didn't uh, figure out that me and Mitch went out to elementary school together until yeah. I saw him at a gig. It was uh, literally, uh, I think it was the 37th anniversary over at Churchill's or something like that. That was the first time I saw you guys play. Yeah. But I didn't really know who you were at the time. I right. just saw, you know, like, oh, it's this father-son band. That's cool, right? <laughs> but I had no idea that we it's had met plenty family. of times <laughs> before. Like, literally. Uh, like, I, I knew who you were and stuff at that time. I mean, I just didn't yeah. recognize you. You just didn't know that. Yeah. Decades, dude. Yeah. yeah. It's just funny how small the world is, man. Yeah, because Mitch always, uh, I, once he explained to me who you were, because he's told me the story before, but he used to come home and he'd be like, my friend's so jealous. He goes, you got the coolest parents. I go, oh, what does the kid mean by that? And he's like, oh, you let me go see movies that nobody else is seeing and music nobody else is allowed to listen to. And I'm thinking, since he was in a baby carrier, he's been at concerts and shows and in bars his whole, you know, that's yeah, where so that's where he grew up. So for him, he, we didn't think nothing of it, and he would always think, "Why did they? Are they like that?" And I tried to explain to him, "Not all parents just let the, you know, they they want to shelter their kids when they're younger, and you know." Yeah, so it's funny that you remember all that, dude. Like, yeah. So yeah. he actually, that's that's crazy, man. Me and Mitch were good friends back yeah. then. Yeah. I think it was the the rock music, dude. Like, cause not, you know, right? Because when time, you're that young, no, it's just what's on nobody, the radio. Right, nobody's into like you know he he he's the same way. He'll listen to classical music. He'll listen to classic country like Johnny Cash kind of country, oh, okay, okay. and you know like uh, old country, Waylon okay. Jennings country, real name? country. He he doesn't like modern country, but is it Kenny you know, Williams? Was that dude's name? What's some old stoner dude, man? What's his name, man? That white dude. There's there's a lot of white dudes. Uh, I know you're music. right. You're right, but like he he is Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. What did I say? Well, when you said stoner dude, that's all right. Yeah, Willie Nelson. That. that guy is that considered? If like you want to hear a good guy? song, listen to Clutch Willie Nelson. The song Willie Nelson. Wait. It's all about Willie Nelson's got killer weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never heard that. It's yep. by Clutch. Yep, by Clutch. I don't know if I'm coming or going, but one thing I know is Willie Nelson's got killer weed. That's literally the song. Pretty Shit, much. man. Well, you can't deny it now. So that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Yeah, but a lot of times uh, younger people surprise me when they gravitate towards music that uh, I listened to when I was younger. Because I'm, you know, that's one thing with me now. I'm, I'm a lot of, like uh, I'm old enough to be your dad. That's you know, true. And I still play shows with you guys, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's cool to see that. A lot of younger people gravitate towards uh, older music. Yeah. You know, older, you know, like I would always raise Mitchell and tell him, no music's bad music unless it's bad music. Like, you know, like. There's uh, some shit that's just you, bad. You're right. There's some things that are just, I don't, un I don't understand how people 
are into like it, it yeah. or whatever. But, you know, every that, that's why there's so much music. Everybody, and that's why I always like, don't pigeonhole yourself into Put one thing. Put yourself in a box or label I yourself a I know people that they're going to only listen to the hardest metal they can listen to or this. And I'm like, if you listen to other shit, you're going to learn something. You're gonna, le- and then you apply that to your craft, and guess what? Now you're original at what exactly. you're doing. Exactly. Instead of just copying what you're hearing, and exactly. that's what people, you know, uh, a lot of people go, "Well, what does your band sound like?" And I'm like, "Well, there's some references I can give you, but we sound like Thousand Pounds as far as far as you know, in my opinion. Right. And never always try to write the same song, and and that's one thing I like about your band. You guys, you guys play every song is not the same. Some bands I watch. By the third song, I'm thinking to myself, didn't they already play this song? <laughs> Be- because it's just a very pigeonholed sound. And it's nobody's fault. That's what they do. Right. And, but that's also probably all they listen to. Exactly. So you can always tell, like, when I listen to your band, I know that everyone in your band listens to different kinds of music. And that's why you write broad music. Like, you have slow breakdown parts you have heavy parts you have melodic parts you have you know and i think i've told you that before watching you play and even running sound for you guys at some shows uh i was very impressed by the harmonies you guys actually harmonize for for like a heavier band you know and people people don't might not think of that because they've never been exposed to it yeah, harmonies are so you sick, know. man. It yeah. adds yeah, a, it's, a whole nother level of dynamic. Right, it's a whole different different thing to the song. You know? And I mean, the reason that we do harmonies is because the singer of the band, his favorite band is Queen. Right. So think about that. He right. likes Queen, one of the best singers in the world, some of the best right. harmonies that have ever been recorded. Right. And he applies that to... Uh, he applies that, but he doesn't try to mimic that. Right. And then when he does his own music, it it adds to it because he does other things that he's heard or seen it's all and that's why i say you don't get boxed in you don't get like it's very funny like i will listen to some pop music and you might not you know people i like a lot of people that kind of know me from the scene might be like you listen to that or something (laughs) you know and i'm like i listen to it because to me a song has to have a hook and no matter how heavy or hard it is it can't be too busy you have to remember that the general person listening to music doesn't mean they love music but they want something to relate to yeah and i try to tell people that want to write complicated music like a dream theater style music that the average person doesn't want to hear that they get bored because there's nothing they can relate to and i'm like if you listen to big huge hit songs the 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 melody and the the bass lines get driven into your head and i'm like perfect example listen to any michael jackson song beat it billy jean now those melodies not that i'm a michael jackson fan but you listen to those songs and you hear that beat bum 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 bum, and it goes if the song's four minutes it goes four minutes yeah if the song is three minutes it goes three minutes and the reason for that is because you can't help but remember that and you can't help to want to move your feet or your head to that so especially in metal, I try to tell people, find that groove. And if you look out in the crowd and you see people's heads moving with the groove, you've got them. Yeah. Don't change that. Yes, give them something a little different, but come back to that again because that's what they're, that's what they're looking for. They want, that, they want to be part of what you're providing. It's almost them. like um, knowing how to stay in the pocket as a drummer. It's exactly what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that that's one thing, like you said, with making music like that's like Dream Theater or Tool or stuff like that. When you have odd time signatures, people can't bump along to your music, dude. Because, right, I mean, right. it's already hard for musicians to count odd time signatures. You'd imagine right. the average fucking right. music goer. Right, and, then, and they're not interested in that. They just want something they can relate to and have fun yeah. to. And as a musician, the more talented you are, you feel like... Uh, Oh, I'm not displaying my abilities, right. and it's it, there's places you can do that, but you got to remember you can't just make a song out of that. Exactly. Just because just because in two minutes you can put twenty changes in your song and remember all those parts and do all these things, I I get I get bored listening to it because I'm like I I, I want to hear something and just where's the groove? Yeah, you know, what I, do you bump to? Yeah, and that and that's you know that's what I think some people. Some people lose grasp because, you know, they want to show their ability. 
but even if you can stay in the pocket and play and throw a few of those accents in, people that know know you have ability. Right. Like there's no there's no hiding your talent just because you might dumb down your music a little bit. And by dumb down, I'm I'm just saying you don't have to be fancy all the time. You don't have to. I totally uh, agree. We, we <laughs> my band is so simplistic it's not funny. We we <laughs> might have we might have three different changes in a the song. There'll be a chorus, a verse, and a little bit of a bridge or a little bit of a hook. Uh, maybe a little soloing somewhere, but it's very simple, very simple. And those and, and those were always the songs I found people gravitated to. So I so I was like, why, you know, why do that? Some of the songs are so simple. <laughs> let's put it this way: some of the songs are so simple that the bass and guitar get lost because they can't they, they can't they remember when they go to right. There's like you know, it's so. Oh, I don't remember. So a lot of times they're just listening to whatever I'm singing. Is he in the chorus? Okay, that's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, is yeah. he in oh, the verse? Man. That's where I'm supposed to be. So, you know, it's when, it uh, is what it is. That That's funny you mentioned that, dude, because um, our EP, the first song, the opening song, Live by the Fire, it's the song that a lot of people like the most, and we have a music video for it and all that. But it's just it's so simple, dude. I hate playing it live. <laughs> and and it that's, live so that's what I always find, like – Think people in the band will complain. Oh, I hate playing this song, and I'm like, but people love it, and they're like, no, nah, I know, I know, but it's just the most repetitious thing. And I said, that's why they like it. That's why they like it. I mean, like you say, you got a video. We have the video Walking Dead. It's the easiest, yeah, easiest song to play, and but it's people, people like it, and that's why. That's I'm, the thing with, with songs like that is if you go into a show and you've never seen thousand pounds perform at the start of the song you don't know what the song sounds like but by the last chorus let's say you're singing along you already know how the song goes right you know and you know that well that means that means a lot to me because it's really cool i i always think why would you want to write a song that somebody doesn't want to be part of right so then when it happens it's such a humbling experience because i think to myself i scribbled these words down and i sing them but people are actually singing them back to me now or know them like you know uh, you know i've had a few times where i uh, you know with my health recently i've had some problems and i've actually we've done two shows where i wasn't at the shows and i've got to see video where they would live stream the show to me and the crowd is singing the songs there's no singer but the people in the audience are grabbing microphone and singing a couple words or something that's a beyond humbling experience. I mean, that's it's so like sick. so crazy. <clears throat> that's the dream. But, but I think that that's just because it is so simple. I'm not. It doesn't. You know, how hard is it to remember? I'm the Walking Dead, and <laughs> and I and I think that that's that's important to me. Writing a song that I I want you to be into. To, it, right? right. You know, like yeah, you could sit there and create all the things you want that are just complicated out the ass but at the end of the day does somebody else want to yeah does the crowd want to see you play dude what's the point dude no one wants to see a boring show which is why their bands everyone loves macronium and everyone loves ears one great great bands great bands i mean i'm wearing my macronium shirt right now you know yeah and from the first day i saw macronium that's one of the things they they knew not to overcomplicate something they put a lot of effort into their show, yep. so they ma- so they capture you visually. They make make you want to watch the show, and then the music is good but not overcomplicated. So you want to be involved in the groove of the. Sh- they have a the like the first time I ever saw them. I told them they have, and the first time I saw them, there was maybe three people at the show, and, and they I were said, still hundred percent. I bet. Uh, 110%. And that was the other thing that just captivated me. I'm like, these kids get it. Yeah. Those three people are going to become fans because they played a show for three people. They're going to be real fans. They're not just going to be somebody that just happened to see them at a bar one time. Exactly. They're now like, man, they put on a private show for us, and they went all out for us. And, and uh, I talked to Joe, and I talked to the guys in the band, and I'm like, you guys just keep doing what you're doing. I said you're gonna find out that you're on the on the on the right track, and I've been around in South Florida around music since the late '80s, 
So I saw Marilyn Manson when it was Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids. For real? And I've worked shows w- for them, you know, like security. I used to do security back then. Really? Yes. And Holy when shit. I saw that band play, that was a band. I looked at the first time I ever saw them. I looked at the guy next to me and I said, if anybody makes it out of South Florida, it's this band here. They have everything. They have music. They have a show and a presence. They get it. They're gonna. They're gonna make it. And probably two or three years after that, it was you know Trent Reznor saw them, and next thing you know, they're all over the place. And I'm laughing like uh, this guy used to come to the shows and carry a lunch pail with him, a little metal lunch pail, and he'd sit on stage, and he'd open it up, and he'd have little toy soldiers in the lunch pail and he would set them up while the band's playing he'd be doing like his own little war battles like he was like a five-year-old kid up on the stage and i'm like you know he gets it he understands so he was just putting on a show yeah it's just all about all about the show all about the show and that's what i saw like seeing macronium you know they they come out and then they put on a show like from from silly things to crazy things it's like a whole like you know like you they it's hard to describe it's really awesome that's one thing that um and and oh what i wanted to get at though was they went from those three people in such a short time to now if you go like to church hills to see them that room's packed that and people are there to see macronium because you'll see that crowd the macronium gets up and plays and then that crowd will back down and dwindle out to where you know people are back to hanging out wherever and but they they they're on they're on to something. They're, people are starting to realize, hey, this is something to see. This is, hundred you know, percent. And 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 uh, hopefully they continue to raise the bar. I know I talk to Joe a lot, and there he wants to keep increasing what the show is. He wants to keep making the show more. So that's another thing that he's not complacent. People get complacent and go, hey, we're filling up a place, blah blah blah. And but then that show gets tired and old after a while. Yeah, you gotta keep going, and he he understands that. He's, he he knows he knows what it takes. You know, which is very important. Yeah, uh, I mean, you yeah, have to be willing if to you put really, in work. Right, if you really want to make it at uh, at doing something like that, you have to continue to build and grow off of hey, off up, of that. Hey, speaking of Mitch, there's Mitch. Look at What's him. What's up, Mitch? It's a little cameo appearance right here. Cameo. cameo. What's up, What's up, we, uh, we predetermined that if you asked me any hard questions, that Mitch would be my uh, my lifeline call or oh, whatever. Okay. They, you know, <laughs> like what well, on on like who wants to be a millionaire? You can right. make a, you get a lifeline. call. Yeah, you get a lifeline, and we'll so phone we, Mitch in. We'll if, phone uh, gets Mitch a in hard. And, and have him give me an answer, like uh, potato or something. <laughs> But uh, back to the the whole stage presence thing. Uh, one thing that we've been talking about at Unoya, at Unoya, I don't know. The band's been talking about is because inc- I, mean, I think our music is solid personally, and so I feel like I agree with that. It's really good. You got and you, you're another you. band that since the first day I saw you till now, always improving, always getting better. Thank you, man. Yeah, that's definitely you know we practice hard. Uh, we do what we what we have to do. We always try and learn new songs and stuff. Um, but, um, no, yeah, we just want to increase our stage presence and the actual show that we put on. Cause I, you know, sometimes it just feels like, it, you know, like we're playing good shit, but we're just not putting well, on a well show. Let me tell you the worst thing I see when I watch a band play. And like I say, I've watched bands my yeah, whole life. Hundreds of bands. Uh, if you look bored on stage, guess what? The crowd's going to be bored. <laughs> no matter how good the music is, the crowd's going to be bored. And I see people sometimes up there playing and they're staring in the corner of a room or they're looking, you know, to see what somebody might be texting them or they're they're not not there. So if you don't care, why should I care? Why should, you know, why should I care? But then you'll see another band, Heroes One, you talk about Heroes One. You watch them play. They're all into what's going on. They're, you know, and their show's always different. Like sometimes they're up there goofing off, having fun, or sometimes they're like into the moment of the song. So it, it's not boring. It's always they're always stepping always, it up for sure. Sure, it's always something, and the, and those are always the bands that 
you know, I, I enjoy seeing because I know I might see something different than I saw the last time. Exactly. And that's what a lot of bands got to remember. A lot of bands, for some reason, have this idea that they have to play every weekend and sometimes twice a weekend. And you got to remember, if you're not doing nothing new, it's the same old thing. It gets stagnant. And then, it, exactly, it becomes that. But if you're playing not so many times a, a month and... I always know I'm going to see something different from you, then that's what makes me want to come see. You know, makes yeah, me want to come an experience. see. Yeah, right, right. I totally right. agree with that, man. So, and, I know. mean, it's no coincidence that Macaroni Manier is one or two of the most popular bands in right. the local scene. Right you know, now. and then like you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll do a theatrical show, and and you know, at least it's something different than the last time. And our theatrical show isn't always the same thing. We do the same thing for a little while, and then we change it. Right. So, like, the last couple of shows have been, like, this demonic mass ceremony. I saw that. You have the face so, paint and everything all yeah, red so with the we garb. Ha- yeah, so we do almost like a, a thing that's a mass. And at some of the shows, we've even gone as far as where, like, I've presented communion to the audience. You that's know, like, it's hilarious. like a full-on kind of thing. So, you know, just to keep it a little different because late, lately we've had to go through a couple member changes, which we didn't for a long time. So Right. It's, it's become uh, kind of get the new person caught up to some of these songs, so we have a set mm-hmm. where like we have tons of music, but we can't always switch up the set. So like like right now we've been lucky enough to have Kevin play with us, as everybody Shout else in South. Sa- but but as everybody else in South Florida has Kevin play <laughs> play with them. <laughs> yeah. Kevin. So so it's difficult. I mean, we had to get our set up and going, and then. You know, now now we have we have a set going, and so are can, you guys uh, looking for like? A, of oh, oh, my bad. Oh yeah, I, uh, for like a permanent drummer is what I would. Yeah, ask. yeah, I w- I would like to find a permanent drummer. Not that I don't love Kevin, and oh, I've known Kevin great. since his Hate Machine days, and uh, we used to man, we used to fill places before any of you guys were even playing music. You guys were li- like. Guys your age were little kids. And me and Kevin, <laughs> Hate Machine and Thousand Pounds of Thrust were filling places. There used to be this little place called Area 7, and we would book shows. And the amount of people that we would get at these shows were just, you know, we always laugh about it. We're like, man, we're, we're like grandfathers around here because we've been doing it so long that guys like you don't even know the the shows like for for a while metal and rock had really died as far as even local you know you get five ten people at your shows and then we started to build this thing you know people were coming out and more people were coming and bands were getting better and it was like it was almost coming back around again and it was like oh this is really amazing and then uh it kind of it's it's stayed around but it's it's taken a a little bit of a turn and some of that I think is because there's too many, too many bands trying to play too many venues. So now, it. as now as you see, a couple of years ago there was a lot of venues, and yeah. the sh- and the shows were spread out because everybody wanted to play all over town, and you wanted to mm-hmm. keep playing. Back when I started, or even before I played music and just worked, there was a few select clubs, and when the bands weren't playing that night they were out supporting their friends so the rooms were full there was three or four clubs and the rooms were always full because if you weren't playing you went to the show right what happened maybe five years ago and five to three years ago was there was so many bars everybody was just looking oh we can have a uh original bands and we don't have to pay them let's bring them in so any mom and pop operation in the world was trying to put shows together and everybody was hungry to play shows so they would do so it's spread it's just spread everything out well those mom and pop people realized oh we can't survive off of 15 people coming so after a while they'd stop doing shows or they'd close down yeah like creepy tiki and then right so there'd be so well creepy tiki had at one point they had some good shows and they had their that's own that's what little, I heard I heard there was they, like their heyday they, they had their own little niche they were playing punk they were playing you know and that's what you that's what you have to do you have to have it so find people expect right find what you do find what 
you know, and do that and, mm -hmm. and make that happen for yourself. Exactly. But when it was so spread out where everybody was just willing to put shows together and bands were willing to play everywhere. So then not only does that happen, but sometimes bands aren't ready to play out. Sometimes they're not polished enough to play out. Sometimes they don't have the presence to play on stage. They're not locked up tight. But they're already trying to book shows and get out there. Right. So people suffer because of that if you're a fan of the music. So you come to this little bar and you watch some bands and you're like, it wasn't that good. Well, the next time you might not want to give that a shot again if that's not your thing. If it was something new and you were trying it out, walk in. Yeah, it wasn't that great. So next time, you know, you say you're playing somewhere, and then people are like, oh, I've been. Yeah, I went to a show. It wasn't that oh, great. Yeah, it was kind of like kind of lame. The sound sucked because there's another thing that suffers. People think they're going to throw a show together, and they don't give a crap what it sounds like. Right. And then, you know, so well, that's they don't an, know what they're that's doing. That's another problem. Right, or they don't know how to promote or put together a show. That's the biggest or issue. Or, they, you know, they don't know how everything's supposed to operate and, you know, so it just becomes to where if you're narrowed down to a few clubs that really understand local music and then other bands go, I am not playing a show. Let me go to the show. Because the biggest thing to, to make something grow is people want to gravitate where people are. So if you right. walk into a bar and there's 15 people or 10 people or less. You're kind of... Uh. I've watched it happen all the time. People will walk in the door if it's not really their thing. They'll walk in, they'll look around and be like, oh, it's pretty dead in here. They're going to do one of two things. They either automatically turn around and walk out, which some people are embarrassed to do. So those people walk over to the bar, they sit down, they order a drink, they drink their drink, and then they leave. Right. There's two things that happen. Now, if you walk into a place, they don't know anybody else in that room. So if all the bands that are playing, if there's five bands playing and there's four people in each band, that's 20 people right off the bat that are in the room. If you're sticking around, if you're not a band that gets up on stage, plays a set, gets in their car, and drives away. Right. Dumbest thing you could do because you're screwing yourself. You're screwing yourself because you're leaving a room empty and when people come in, they see an empty room, they leave. If people come in, they don't know you're a musician. Right. They don't know you're going to play next. They just see you as a person in there. Exactly. So they decide to stay. Then a couple more people come in, and a couple more people come in, and now you're starting to build something. Now those people go, hey, you want to go back to that place? Exactly. If they go in and there's five people and they're bored off their ass, do they want to come back? No. Probably not. No, they may never come back in that bar ever again. You have to remember if if the community if the music community isn't interested in supporting itself, why should strangers be interested in supporting it? No, that makes so much uh, sense. I mean, like you play music, you like to see bands. Of course. Go, you know, go to a show and see bands. A lot of times, I've been at shows where I'm not playing, and people are like, "What time are you? What time's your set?" And I'm like, "I'm not playing." Well, what are you doing here? I've actually had people ask me, "Well, why are you here?" I'm here to see the bands and support what I love to do. If I can't support what I love to do, then I'm not going to do it very much longer. You know, it's my hobby. It's my thing. It's my, you know, I'm past the point where I would ever think of getting signed or anything. I just enjoy the music thing. It's my hobby. I love it. One time, you, one right? time my brother asked me, he goes, how much do these places pay you? I said, I don't necessarily get paid ever. I said, I could probably count on my hand the amount of times I've been paid in the last 20 years to play a show. Right. Well, why do you do it? And I just looked at him and I said, well, why do you go out on, on a Saturday and spend 70 bucks to go golfing? I said, when you're out there golfing, how many people have you ever had follow you around the course and watch you play and tell you, hey, that was a good shot. Oh, you missed that. I said, none. I said, you go fishing. How much are you going to dump putting gas in your boat, buying bait, buying beer, buying food, and going out yeah. fishing? I said, I said, music is my hobby. That's what I do. But I get to experience my hobby with other people. Yeah, exactly. I have a whole community of people that I've come to become friends with. It's so and awesome. I said, there's strangers that I don't even know yet that I'm going to meet or know, whether I want to or I don't. <laughs> and, and I was, and and you know so i said that's my hobby that's what i do so i support it and i love it so if music's your hobby and you love it 
go to a show if you're not playing. If you're playing, consider yourself there all night. Don't consider yourself there for an hour. Exactly. And no, you'll totally be surprised agree. how your community will grow. When these new genres of music get discovered, it's because they support each other. When grunge music made its big push, it was because all those bands supported each other. They all went to their shows, they went to their things, so it created a buzz. Music industry says, what the hell's going on in Seattle? Let's go find out. And when they walk into a place, the place is full. Those record executives don't know that the place is full of musicians. They just know the place is full. You can't get in there. You can't walk in there. And the next show is full. Hey, this is something going on. There's a happening here. There's something happening. Right. No, I never and, thought and, about it. And, that and that's that's what you need and that's kind of like when when death metal in south florida it started in like it Orlando, started, Tampa, yeah, right? yeah and the same same reason there was support there it didn't have to be support from people the that mainstream. didn't know about it it had to be support about people that were involved in it or interested in it you know you you, you go out and see when i was younger if i tried to play music or write music i wanted to see what else was out there who else is out there, and who's good, and who's not good, and who do I like, and I don't like? I wanted to know that. I still want to know that to this day. I'll see, I'll go see a band I've never seen before just because I want to. What are they all about? You what never know the, when you might find what the are they, big hit. What are they doing? You know, <laughs> like what's the deal? Speaking of what's the deal, man, I saw uh, at the show April thirteenth, uh, Friday the thirteenth at Churchill's, this yep. band called Naked Stump. Yes. <laughs> so uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me what's up with that, man? Well, I don't really know because I heard that they have a guest performer there that nobody really knows his identity. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's uh, I th don't I, tell me that's you. I think it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre dude. But oh, okay, Ed Gein, Ed yeah. Gein, whatever his name. Well, is. that's the that's what the movie is based off of. Is that's the one of the bases of the movie is isn't is that Ed wasn't Gein. that it? Well, that's not the the guy's name in the movie. I think they call him Tommy. I think the the, the actual chainsaw guy's name is Tommy. Oh, uh, but it's based off that dude, right? Ed Gein or whatever. Yeah, because well, Ed Gein was never really a found to be a serial killer, crazy guy like that. Really? But he what he would do is <laughs> dig up he would dig up dead bodies, and he, and he would bring them home and. You know, basically, like string them up em? like a deer and oh. cut them. Well, he might have done that too, but <laughs> more than more than likely he did. But I'm he would sure string he them up and gut them like a deer, straight down, and take their skin and make lamps out of it. And you know, and the thing with the the skin mask is, they say that he actually had stuff like that made where he'd sew it. So, uh, Silence of the Lambs is a loosely done. App. off him too off him as well with you know like all, the, all that kind that's of fucking crazy strange stuff. i could never get through that movie yeah, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting movie i mean i like yeah. the performance that um buddy put on i forgot his name uh what's that dude's name anthony hopkins anthony hopkins that's his yeah. name yeah. yeah man that guy Hello, is Clarice. <laughs> oh, man, no <laughs> he's literal chills yeah. i mean no but for real so with naked, stump, naked, stump, with naked stump is uh noise band okay and a uh, noise band is the most annoying thing in the world uh, <laughs> i i i was uh running sound for some shows and we would constantly get uh these guys that want to do noise shows and they'd come in and they i'd be like okay let's let's do this and they'd come in with just like effects pedals different the programs on their computer different kinds of things and it is exactly what it is noise if you're not familiar with it, it is just noise and i'm sitting there going there's so much more that you could do with this noise band because to me it's supposed to be like an avant-garde artsy kind of thing it's not you know it's not like just straight up noise right okay. uh, to me that's what they originally i would think was were trying to do so i saw a couple of people that actually did do that they tried to mix it up portray a story or like take you on a journey through this no noise thing you know where other people I'm, I'm sitting there i'm like this seems like if i was in new york city at rush hour and i was on acid standing in the middle of the street because it <laughs> sounded like jackhammers horns blowing noise going i'm like what the hell and you just have a headache so i decided 
the guy had approached me about doing another noise show, and I said, listen, you can only do it if I'm allowed to have a noise band. And he said, absolutely. And I said, okay. So I had mentioned to Mitch, come on, let's do it. And I said, let's, let's show him that you could actually have something going but still make it just a noise, crazy, stupid thing. Right. So he said, okay. So then we happened to mention to Joe from Macronium that, hey, we're going to do a noise band. Are you guys crazy? What are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> That's it's a great a noise Joe band. impression. Joe, Joe's like, I want in. I want to do it. I said, absolutely. I said, I wouldn't have it any other way because I explained to him the concept of I want to, I want to make it a show. Right. And who better to have than uh, Joe? Of to, course. To do a show, so I said, look, I'd like to, I'd like to have the parent people experience how psychotic it would be to be in the f- a family like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family, a family that's like that. Because to me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, scariest movie ever made. You know why? Because it's happening as we're recording this show somewhere in America right now. There are crazy people that have people locked up, chained up. You think so? They're tor- I know so. We're watching the news. These people go for years without being found out about, or they go weeks and they get found out about, but they're they're out there right now as we're speaking. People are being abducted. People are being murdered by by people just like that. So in my mind, I watch that and I go, okay, Jason can get killed four fucking thousand times and he doesn't die. This movie, however, can really happen. This person, these families are real. If you kill them, they're done. But they're probably going to get the upper hand on you and kill you (laughs) before you get the opportunity. So so I said, imagine the mind that it takes to be like that. Mm -mm. We're going to use that craziness of a noise band, and we're going to portray what that is all about. And Joe's like, I love it. I love the idea. So basically Naked Stump is 1,000 pounds of thrust in Macronium minus uh, Danny, our guitar player, from 1,000 right. pounds. And since Kevin's drumming in both bands, Kevin's in, in, in both bands. He's in Naked Stump too? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's all. Another one to the list. Uh, Danny. Danny in Macronium no. is the only one that's not in Naked Stump. So the two Dans, they've decided it's above them to play in Naked Stump, Aww. I guess. I don't know. Maybe they're Damn. embarrassed by our... our now, uh, you know, noise bands aren't <laughs> everyone's thing, man. <laughs> no, and you know what's funny is when we played the show you're talking about, it was really amazing the response we got playing it because we figured it's a normal, pretty much, you know metal type show right and we're gonna get up and play noise how's that gonna get received and to be honest with you it was really shocking and and it's funny to see the excitement that you know everybody in the band has after we play the show we're like man that was really cool because i think it's because it's very it's a relief because you don't have to be concerned if you miss a change or miss a note because there are no there's no changes there's no we make it up on the fly we no we, shit we make up the lyrics on the fly me and joe go back and forth with lyrics for real and yeah we don't have oh, any man we don't have we might say okay like this is the way it's going to start i'm going to have the cello and it's just going to start and then you guys come in that's that's the tempo go and then That's it's just sick. <laughs> yeah. So you guys so, just jam the fuck out. Yeah, it's a, it's just a jam for twenty minutes or even thirty minutes uh, of just chaos. It's just chaos, and then everybody kind of feeds off everybody, and um, you know, it's, I love shit like it, that. It's kind of cool. And then the the naked stump part is, of course, uh, some of you that know me know I I've had to have a leg surgery. I don't have my leg anymore, so. I take my leg and I wrap it around the cello and that's the naked stump is my stump. So uh, I just had to go back and get a surgery again, a revision after a year. Uh, all of a sudden we were at the Oski Awards and all of a sudden I noticed my leg started bleeding. And uh, I was like, yeah, I was what at the, the hell Oski was that about? 
So I ended up uh, having to leave and back in the hospital where they did a revision where they shortened the bone more and they had uh, had to open it up and it was infected really bad. I didn't, I wasn't even really aware that it was that infected. And uh, so then I, I was joking with Kevin and I told him, I said, now, now naked stump needs to become bloody stump. And he's <laughs> like, I love it. And I'm like, Oh, we'll geez. we'll see about that, but for now we'll stick with naked stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's so it's, it's a funny name, dude. But that's such a cool thing that you guys just jam the fuck out. Yeah, it's and that's what makes it fun. Like we all have a great time. Like that's what the best part about it playing. Yeah, band yeah. Is there's like no, <laughs> and then to see people getting into what you're doing, and and like I say, you know, between me and Joe, like I'm dressed like the like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre character. Joe is in total joe form and right. like you know even like at the last show joe fell down in front of me and i took the bow for the cello and i was beating him on the back like i was <laughs> whipping him and then he'll always come to me after when something happens like that i want you to really crack me with that thing you were you always take it easy on me like you don't want to hurt me and i'm like it's <laughs> such a strange thing to say yeah i'm like you know he, he gets all mad he's like i want you to whelp my back up and cut me open with that thing and i'm thinking you know, if I, I didn't if that. I didn't like you, I'd cut you in half with it. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. You know, I can't do that to you. So I said, so I'm like, you know, if you want me to really do that, like, you know, next time you fall on the ground, punch me in the balls or do something to <laughs> me to piss me off, and then I'll gladly fucking <laughs> exactly. Then I'll beat the fuck out of you. With this I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll pull the sword out and fucking take oh, care right of you right off the, the mic stand, right? Just fucking <laughs> shit, like fucking Link's master sword or some shit. Dude, you've been gigging for what over twenty years? You said yeah, probably like uh, probably nine ninety nine, uh, ninety nine probably. Shit. Okay, so from ninety nine to twenty eighteen, what's mm-hmm. the craziest thing that's happened to you on stage? Craziest on stage moment. Craziest. Oh, I mean, just nutty. I don't know. Just some nutty I shit. Know. It's. I mean, it's a lot of years to narrow yeah, down. Yeah. It's, it's you ever had anyone climb the rafters like Eddie Vedder or some shit? <laughs> like, well, some I definitely didn't shit. climb the rafters, but uh, you know, we've we've had different shows where stupid things have happened. Uh, I've, like I've almost killed members of the band with my mic stand sword, swinging it around and not Jeez. really thinking. Back in the early days when uh, when the the band was really originally getting together, I I used to drink a lot. And right. I mean, like a lot, like pitcher in each hand on stage to the point where I go, when the music starts, I hope I remember the words because I don't even know why I'm up here. Holy and, shit! <laughs> so like the shows were a little different then because. Of course. And then one night I I ended up drinking so much that the band wouldn't even get back on stage with me. We used to do a mixture of covers and originals. So we would go into a place, and some nights we'd play all night. So this was going on the third set of the show, and the band's like, we're not coming up there. So I was drunk on stage singing the songs myself with nobody up there except a pitcher of beer and me. And the next day I decided, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea anymore. So I decided I would do shows sober. (laughs) <laughs> I mean that's that's definitely a reason to quit. <laughs> Shit, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, hey, I could put more effort into the show if I know where I'm at and what I'm doing. 100. You know, I would have paid. Instead of pissing off people, and, you know, <laughs> I would have paid good money to see you running that acapella with the pitcher, though. Yes. Uh, Is there any footage of that? What year was this? Oh, that was a long time ago. That was back in the beginning. That was back in, in the, the 90s. Beginning. Well, let me give you. Uh, I was fucking. Three. Let me give you a funny thing. What ended up happening is. For the longest time, I just never sang or played in a band. I always wanted to since I was a kid. So then karaoke became a big kind of thing. So one night I was really drunk. My wife said, get up there and show people you can sing. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So I drank a little more, a little more. I was like, all right, give me the book. So I go up there and I, <laughs> I go up there and I, I sing Joe Cocker song, okay. right? So I'm drunk enough, I'm acting like Joe Cocker. If you've never seen Joe Cocker, he's very spastic when he sings. He moves his arms around. So I sing the song and act like him. Well, the place goes fucking bananas. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) So I end up going back the next weekend. Still no balls to get up and sing in front of people. I got to get drunk again. So I get fucking hammered at the end of the night. I get up and sing. The place goes crazy. So now... People are coming up to me. Where else do you sing? Where else do you oh, perform? Shit. I'm like, 
I don't. Well, I had I had this friend of mine that my my brother went to high school with, and he always played guitar. And then this other guy I was working with was a drummer, and I was like, you know, we should put a band together. I said, you come out and watch me sing karaoke. I go, it's crazy. These people want to see me. They like people are coming to see me sing uh, backtrack. <laughs> I go, imagine if we had a band put together. All right, so they came out and they're like, "Oh, we have to put a band together because they'd seen me just up there doing Killing whatever." It. Yeah, so we started a band, and in the beginning, we played everything from like blues, rock, and metal. Like we played all that, and we wrote our own songs and everything else. But what ended up happening is we had had about three practices, and we were learning to play some music. And my friend comes to me and says, "Hey." I met Wolfman Jack at the casino. And I said, well, that's a nice story, but you didn't meet Wolfman Jack. I'm telling you, it was Wolfman Jack. I said, Wolfman Jack is dead. <laughs> it's not Wolfman Jack. Oh, no, no, it's this guy. I said, he may be doing the stick of Wolfman Jack, but he's not Wolfman Jack. So he comes back to me, says, yes, it's not Wolfman Jack, but he does have a, an AM radio show, and he calls it The Wolfman. Oh, so okay. I said, okay, good. I said, do you know how to get a hold of him? Yeah, I was telling him about the band. He wants to have us on the show. I said, perfect. Why? I said, start learning Werewolves of London, how to play that song. Why? I said, just do it. I said, at the next practice, I'll explain everything to everybody. Oh, so shit, I had everybody, plan. I had everybody listening to the song. So they all show up at the warehouse. I go, listen, you guys been practicing? Yep. I said, all right, we're going to play the song Werewolves of London. I'm going to rewrite the words and make it Wolfman on the radio, and we're going to go record it, and we're going to take it to this guy. I said, he'll use it every night for his intro because, I said, good or bad, it's about him, so he's going to want to use it. They're like, all right, I guess, and I'm like, start learning. So we had like three practices where we practiced nothing but Werewolves of London. I rewrote all the words to the song kept a couple of the original words but would add in you know wolfman on the radio yeah just mixing and it up just yeah and and uh so i call this recording studio around the corner and i go hey i want to come in there okay so we get there and the guy goes okay what are you looking to do i said we're going to record the song werewolves of london but uh, it's a parody oh okay so he goes okay well i'll get the guitar tracks and uh, first we'll lay down the drum tracks and then we'll do the guitar and bass tracks and I said I said well how long is all that going to take he goes I don't know how well do you know the song I go these guys know the song I, and then he says well after you, we record it all you can come back and do your vocals and then I'll mix it down I said no no I want to leave today with the song he goes do you know what you're talking about Jeez. I said yeah, I think I think we can do it. And he says, "How long have you had a band? I've been a band." I said, "About three weeks." <laughs> he <right>. just looked <laughs> at me. So, go in and put the drum track down, put in the guitar and bass tracks. I said, "Okay, let me go in and do the vocal track." So he's like, "Well, okay." So I go in and I do the vocal track. Did it in one one take one on the take. vocal track. He's like, that's actually pretty good. I don't see where I need to work on it. And I'm like, okay. So he starts mixing it down, and in three and a half hours, he handed me the CD, and he says, if somebody told me that this was going to happen today, I'd have told them they were absolutely crazy. And I was that's like, I just I just knew we had it so planned, and in my mind I had it so planned that it was going to happen because we were scheduled to go that monday to the guy's so show and i needed it. to have i had to have that cd because i wasn't going without it right so when we went down there i'm like hey i got a surprise for you i have this song and you know he plays it and the production is just huge i mean it sounds just like the original warren zevon recording and the, right. the, the dude's like this is amazing you made this for me i'm like oh yeah it was nothing you know and, oh, like, shit, and, just and, and cool. yeah i just had to had to bullshit the guy so every <laughs> night at midnight when the guy's show would come on you would hear our song he That's used so it he used it cool. every night so your plan so, was like it so I, right niche. because now i'm telling people I'm like, they're like oh you have a band i'm like oh yeah if you listen to a waxy am i said you'll hear you'll hear us every night at midnight that we're the ones that do the theme song for the wolfman guy so it was like we already had promotion we yes, were already getting yeah. airplay we had any, we didn't even have we couldn't even play three songs at that point 
Uh, <laughs> you guys like, were so ahead of the game, dude. But wait, that's marketing. It, wait, it gets better. Okay. Because I had this restaurant I used to go into all the time for lunch. It was right across the street from where I worked. Guy goes, hey, you should come up. We have karaoke going on now. I said, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. So I show up over there. The band comes with me. We all go in and hang out. And I get up and sing. Guy's like, man, that was amazing. I go, oh, you should have my band play here. All right, I just opened a new location on Wednesday nights. I was going to have live music up there. I said, perfect. When do you want us to come up there? He goes, uh, I'll be ready in two weeks. I said, all right, we'll be there. So <laughs> the band's looking at me like, what are you doing? He's like, I said, screw it. This guy wants to pay us. We're going to be the house band. So we sat for two weeks, six out of seven nights a week, learning cover songs and occasionally even writing some original songs. And by the time we were ready to play, we had a couple sets of, you know, we had like two 45-minute sets of music. Now... We go to the place to set up to play the night before because we don't want any extra complications. We're thinking, oh, the fuck, we're pulling this off to begin with. Of course. Now we're setting up, and of course my guitar player, like all guitar players, is cranked up through the roof to where that's all you can hear is his guitar. So now the way the restaurant was set up, there was a room for the band to play, and then there was a full bar restaurant in the next in the next room. Right. The restaurant is packed because it's their Taco Tuesday night. Got to pack packed. it up for Taco Tuesday. We're, we're in the side room setting up over there, and I'm trying to tell the guy, look, this room is not huge. You have to turn down. I said, it's going to be too loud, and people are just going to want to walk out of here. Right. You got to turn down. So we start getting this big argument. Now, mind you, the guy at the time probably weighed about 450 pounds. <laughs> The guitar player, right? <laughs> now, now I'm big. I'm probably at that time probably 280 pounds. Okay. So we're arguing back and forth, and he kind of came forward aggressive to me, and I got pissed off, and I threw him onto the ground. When he fell on the ground, he hit his guitar case and about went through the wall into the restaurant area. And we're just going back and forth. And I'm thinking, we're not even going to get to play our first show because the owner's going to be like, you idiots, just get the hell out of yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, jeez, you haven't even so, set up yet. You're already pushing people through walls. So then, so then we, we ended up, we did the show. Everything went off great. The guy was happy. And and it was nonstop having to add more songs to the set, more songs to the set, more songs to the set, so that we could keep working. Keep keep working. We were getting paid, and so I'm thinking to myself, in in a span of six weeks, we we have went from nothing. None of us knew any of these cover songs or anything. The guy playing bass was a music teacher, but he had never played bass before. So he's just like, oh, I can play that. And he picked it up. He understood notes and music. So right. he's like, I can play that. So he, he had never played bass. I had never sang in a band before. I had sang, but never in a band. My friend had played guitar his whole life, but never in a band. Right. And the drummer had played in a band for a couple of weeks. So in six weeks, we're on the radio. We're a house band getting paid to do gigs. And I'm thinking, you know, it started out so cool. I'm like... This is the greatest thing, you know, greatest thing ever. That's <laughs> such a crazy start, man. That's that's crazy. Uh, how long have we been going, by the way, Malik? It's been a minute, dude. Oof, over, that over an hour already. All right, man. I think we could wrap it up there, Mike. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me here on the throne. I really appreciate okay. it. Do you have well, any plugs you want to do before we uh, close it out? Well, we're playing uh, May twelfth at the Year's One. Uh, oh yeah, video. The video uh, release, show release show at Renee's and Winwood. Yeah, yep. we're gonna I be hear, there. I hear you don't want to miss that video because I hear there's a very special appearance <laughs> in that video. Yeah, there's and, a lot of special appearances. And, and I in hear that. the I hear the main character is really good. Is I he? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I th- I've definitely got to come out. I've heard that. of the guy before, but I'm not sure if I know who. He I is. think people will recognize him when they see the yeah. video. Yeah. So um, May 12th, any any other gigs coming up? Uh, not well. We, not that I have booked, right, right, right. Uh, but but the main thing that I do have coming up is not till August. Every year we play the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital uh, at the Tattoo Convention in Coral Springs, and that's like the most important thing to me every year. I mean, uh, 
if for some reason I'm in the hospital, I leave the hospital to play this show. I will not miss it just because it's for Joe DiMaggio Hospital, and it's something that's really important to it's me. It's like a benefit show? To, uh, yeah, yeah, the whole weekend. It's a tattoo convention, and the mu- and the money proceeds go to Joe DiMaggio, and it's been going on uh, this is probably the 22nd annual. Wow. And uh, my Older friend, uh, Tattoo Dave, was responsible for running that. He passed away uh, a little over a year ago. So it's really important to me uh, to continue continue the thing for Dave and for the kids at Joe DiMaggio. So that's, and that's in August, right? That's in August, yep. That's in August, and they're actually bringing a lot of times uh, for many years, 1,000 Pounds was like the heaviest, heaviest band out there. Uh, because they do a lot of rockabilly and that style music because that was something Dave was into. And uh, now they're starting to broaden that up, so there'll be a lot of uh, local bands that we're all familiar with out there as well. So Sick, man. It's music, tattoos, freak show, car show. I'll try and make it uh, out there for sure. Just all, uh, all send me an invite on Facebook, coming. bro. Yeah, that sounds really good. I will definitely do that. Awesome. And on that note, guys, bye. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Goodbye.